This is an ABC podcast. This is the Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. CTE, or chronic traumatic encephalopathy, is a brain condition that now many believe to be linked to repeated head injuries and blows to the head. It's a condition that slowly gets worse over time. And CTE often creates behavioural changes, memory loss, mood swings, depression and anxiety. But, Kirsten Diprose, the thing about CTE is that can it only be diagnosed once you die. It's actually unable to definitively be diagnosed except by post-mortem, by autopsy. But CTE has been found in the brains of multiple Australian sports people who have donated their brains to research, and that will be sports people that are both amateurs and professionals. Yeah, that's right, Rochelle. And and those living with CTE have spoken about how it can lead to destructive behaviours like excessive drinking, gambling, violence, suicide attempts even, and the inability to interact with their friends and family. And we've seen this concern around CTE slowly grow Mm. and as a result there's actually a Senate inquiry going on at the moment into concussions and repeated head trauma in contact sports. And we're starting to see some of those results of the inquiry come out and one thing that jumped out to me was that in the first hearing it was actually revealed and it was questioned just how far behind the rest of the world many Australian sports have been in simply acknowledging the link between CTE and concussion. So have you been concussed? How many times have you been concussed? How did it impact you and change your life? Was it more than simply just blacking out for a short period? And would you consider donating your brain for research into CTE? On ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. This is the Conversation Hour. Rochelle Hunt with you in Melbourne, Kirsten Diprose with you in ABC Warrnambool. And Kirsten, there's a Senate inquiry, an ongoing right through until June, into concussion and repeated concussion and whether or not there are any links into CTE. So it's happening at that level, but I just wonder how involved and how urgent the conversations around concussion are at a grassroots level. I wonder if it's being discussed a lot or if we sort of just don't talk about it as much as we should be. Yeah, I think it's such a, an important issue and I think of me as a mum of two boys, you know, it's a really tricky one. I've got an eight-year-old and a six-year-old. They both, both play footy at the local club, Karamit Footy Club, and I really love them playing for that social and community aspect and, of course, their physical health uh, for now at least. But I want to think about my boys being, you know, happy and healthy now But also when they're a 50-year-old man, I want to make sure that they're still as healthy Mm. as as can be. So I think this is a conversation that's that's happening slowly, even at that, that, you know, really low level, because we just don't know the results. And the problem with research, and I use the word problem perhaps in the incorrect way, but the research can be inconclusive because you need such a high number of people. And if we're relying on people who are donating their brains to science, you just may not have that number. But overseas, you know, in the US, they've really made quite a movement on this and and we still haven't. And 
I always am intrigued in how reluctant we are in some sporting codes and some of the main codes to change the rules. It's like, well, that can't happen. You know, we can look at having longer times on the sidelines. We can have better doctors on the sidelines. We can discuss it in boardrooms and we can change all of these things, but you just can't mess with the rules, you know. But that's happening and it's happening in other places around the world, whether it be hitting the ball in soccer or certain ages where you can't tackle from a, a certain height. I just wonder whether even grassroots clubs are making those decisions on their own around changing the rules in order to make it safer because more and more people are now choosing. They're throwing their hand up and saying, I think I'm going to donate my brain to research because this is something that we need to look into. And when we talk about concussion, it's not that maybe one time where I know Kirsten as a clumsy child you fell over <laughs> <laughs> yes I stupidly told you this story because it wasn't even playing sport or doing anything spectacular I um, got my shoe caught in something and <laughs> fell over whacked my head on the asphalt and didn't realize that I was concussed I was in about year five or six and you know a couple hours later I walked straight off a off a pier um, onto concrete again, five foot, about five foot high. And um, mum took me to the doctor and sure enough, I was concussed and I felt weird. Mm. I couldn't walk straight. I couldn't think straight. I couldn't remember the, the from the end that the part of the day between falling again and falling the first time. It was a weird feeling and symptoms lasted for about three days. And that was my only experience of it. But I remember it, you know, I've fallen many other times in my childhood, but that one I remember. And then if you imagine doing that time and time and time again, you would start to maybe change the way or where you walk at least or tie your shoes a little better, whatever it may be. So have you been concussed and how did it impact you? Was it more than just blacking out for a, a short period? And would you consider donating your brain to research and research into to CTE. Riley Chris Gurgle is the former captain of the Western Bulldogs VFLW team, currently at Collingwood VFLW. Riley, it wasn't that long ago, it was 2021. You know, you started out thinking it was going to be a great year for you. You felt fitter than ever before, more prepared than ever before. You were just named captain of, of the Bulldogs team. But I believe it was in round five against Geelong where everything changed. What happened? Yeah, absolutely. Um, round five of that season, I got caught in a tackle and hit my head really hard um, on the turf of the ground. Um, didn't black out, fortunately, which was nice, um, but ended up having quite severe concussion symptoms and a really long time to recover from that afterwards. So how long did you feel, you know, not not right? Um I spent probably two, almost two weeks completely in a dark room because any light or noise stimulants for more than two minutes would cause a lot of um, nausea, a lot of strong headaches and just fatigue. Um, had a lot of issues with balance for probably a couple of months and then couldn't any form of exercise for about five months would send me all the way back to almost square one with symptoms again. So yeah, it was a it was a long time of recovery and symptoms. And was that just from the one knock, Riley, or do you believe this is from multiple knocks? Because I mean, that's that's a huge amount of time of recovery. Yeah, it was, and I honestly wasn't expecting it. It was from that one impact, um, and it did really surprise me. 
I think I initially the first two days I thought I might feel a bit off, but there is a there's a 12 day protocol in our league in footy, so I had the expectation that I'd be okay in two weeks. So it did take me by quite a shock and surprise of how long um, those symptoms persisted. And how long did you end up, you know, taking off from the game? I think I ended up not playing for the rest of that season and then wasn't able to do running to that same level for a good five or six months, I would say. Wow. Over the year, how long have you been playing footy, Riley? Uh, About six years now. Have you noticed a shift? I mean, we're talking about the fact that there's a Senate inquiry, an ongoing Senate inquiry into concussion and the impacts that it has on players like yourself. Have you noticed that same level of discussion, urgency, changes, doctors, whatever it may be, even potential rule changes? Is that happening out on the field and in the club rooms and the change rooms and the boardrooms? Yeah, I think those discussions are finally happening, but only recently. That 12-day protocol, I believe, only came in a couple of years ago. Um, so that that protocol and that essential rest time um, has only just kind of come in for that length of time. There is still so much we don't know about it and, um, you know, so many different symptoms and how a concussion can show up um, after that impact. And I think it's not until you kind of are either in it or around people who are getting um, concussion symptoms that it is talked about. I don't think it's talked about enough and I don't think we have enough understanding of how to kind of deal with it and recover from it. Um, But it's good to see those longer protocols at least coming into place now. Riley, has it affected how you play or or how you coach others? Um, A little bit. Um, I remember the first, I think it was my second return game, I hit my head in a similar fashion to the ground and that was quite scary. Um, Fortunately, no concussion there. But I think it's just changed the way I talk about people's recovery times and um, looking after their head first because you only do have one brain for the rest of your life. So missing a couple games of footy or a little bit off exercise to make sure your brain and head healthy for the rest of your life should be a priority of a rushing back into a game. Riley Chris Gurgle is with you, former captain of the Western Bulldogs at VFLW and currently at Collingwood at VFLW. We're talking concussion. Have you been concussed in local sport? Would you like to see changes in local sport? Whether that be rules, whether it be looking at heading a ball in soccer and maybe dependent on the age do we need to look at changes? Or maybe it's just stopped you from taking up a particular sport. Riley, would you like to see rule changes? I mean, why are we so reluctant, especially with with football to change the rules? Yeah, I would really like to see um, a longer protocol than 12 days. I think probably three weeks or if not more, but also more um, knowledge of that recovery time. I'm unsure why we're still hesitant. It could just be because it is a relatively new discussion, like concussion is still feels like a recent thing we're talking about. Um, but yeah, that longer protocol to stay away from contact in the game and also a better understanding for, you know, medical people working in from local to top-tier clubs on the recovery and the types of rehabilitation for players with concussion.
We'll be getting a bit of a medical perspective on this shortly from Professor Alan Pearce. But I wonder from your perspective, Riley, you know, as a female footballer, I, you know, women, you know, we, we, we've, been, we've been playing sport for a while, but we haven't been playing football professionally and perhaps not as many girls and women have been playing football at all. Is there any concerns about, you know, the research that's specific for women or making sure that women and girls are aware of this? Because the men have been experiencing it for quite some time now, but it's kind of more of a new area for girls and women. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's currently little to no research um, for female athletes and concussion. Um, And as you mentioned before, we are kind of seeing the results of those CTE levels um, post-mortem. But yeah, there's not much research in many things in female sport at the moment, let alone concussion. So we've got a long, long way to go for that. This is kind of a gruesome question, Riley, but would you ever consider (laughs) donating your brain to research? (laughs) <laughs> not gruesome at all yeah absolutely I think that's just one way we can yeah look at that data and see how we can prevent this type of thing and those longer term impacts from happening absolutely Riley do you think you've got any ongoing symptoms from that major concussion that you had have you noticed any changes um in in your physicality or moods or anything um now being almost two years on I just have short-term memory issues occasionally but apart from that I'm okay so I'm very fortunate to be on the other side of that. And just finally Riley what do you hope to come out of the Senate inquiry? Do you expect any changes? It feels like we have lots of inquiries that doesn't always lead to change. Are you confident that anything will come out of this? I'm very hopeful that um, more research and more um, yeah more protocols come out of this and we start kind of taking this seriously because it is a serious issue. Your brain is essential. It is affecting people late in life and early in life. And we're seeing terrible consequences out of it. So at worst, if it at least starts more discussions, but at best we get research, better treatment options and yeah, go from there. Riley, thank you so much for joining us and we wish you all the best. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Riley Chris Gurgle there, former captain of the Western Bulldogs VFLW team, um, currently at Collingwood VFLW. Amazing to hear her story and that she still has memory, short-term memory issues two years after that, I mean, big concussion that she went through. Yeah, plenty of texts. Concussion is far worse in a developing brain, up to 25 years of age, I think. We'll put that to the professor in just a moment. And another saying, recovery time is good. However, wait until a star footballer has to miss a grand final because of protocols, especially if they say that they're feeling good. Graham's in Heidelberg. Good morning, Graham. Hi. Yeah, um... Just you know, my son had a um, bad concussion, football concussion, um, when he was about grade five, I think it was. Um, and from that day on, he never came good. He um, developed a condition called narcolepsy, which is a, an inability to uh, stay awake. Um, and it's been an ongoing drama. He's now 22 and still suffers the consequences of it. And has that? Have you ever been told that that was directly related to the concussion? Yes, yes, they've worked it out that it did come from that. Um, he had a couple of concussions, one from well, one from hitting a goalpost or a steel pole with his head, and another couple of couple of knockdowns in actual junior football, um, which we stopped doing after that when we realised what was going on. Unfortunately, um, too little, too late. Um, 
he's you know he suffers a lot of problems with depression, um, anxiety, and of course narcolepsy, which doesn't allow him to ever drive a motor car. Gosh, they're all of the symptoms that we mentioned right at the very beginning, Graham. You know about the effects of ongoing concussion and its link with CT. I'm so sorry to hear that. You know that's what your son is now living with. One three hundred triple two seven seven four. You know, if you've had a similar experience, or if you'd like to see changes as well, and what do you expect and hope to come out of this Senate inquiry into concussion? One three hundred triple two seven seven four. Professor Alan Pierce is from the College of Science, Health and Engineering at La Trobe University, and also the research manager at the Australian Sports Brain Bank. Alan, we just heard then from. Graham about his son and listed all of the things that seem very similar to CTE from depression and anxiety, the inability, narcolepsy and inability to drive a a car. How common is that? Good morning. Yes, it's, you know, these are the the things that we hear a lot, particularly with those who are suspected with CTE. Um, But we do need to understand that after one concussion, complications can occur, which is what we call post-concussion syndrome or persistent post-concussion symptoms. So one of the things I think that we need to just tease out here is the issue around concussion as a brain injury and the effects of one brain injury versus chronic traumatic encephalopathy or CTE, which is a disease of exposure. So we see mostly with those who have CTE in post-mortem a history of 20, 30, 40,000 hits to their brain over their sporting career rather than just the one big hit. That's a a really interesting distinction between the two. Um, Is that really, is that understanding there particularly in the sporting codes, do you think? Uh, Yeah, that's a good question. I think there is, but what is being discussed, and this might sound a bit controversial, but what is being put out there in the media is a little confusing because we always talk, keep talking about the, the concussion injury, the, the return to play after a concussion, but we're not really talking about the the dozens of hits per match that adds up over the season, that adds up over many seasons, over many years. And that's where we are having, you know, the discussion around, well, what is CTE? Well, it's a disease of exposure. So even the hits that might not lead to those concussions, you know, the, we see it on the TV now when someone gets mm. a big knock, you know, the commentators are all very serious and everyone's serious <coughs> about it. But those little knocks that happen all the time, they add up as well. Is that what you're saying? That's Absolutely, yes, that's that's correct. So, you know, it's the collisions, it's the, it's the tackles, it's going to ground, it's being, you know, the accidental elbows or, or whatever. Uh, they're the ones that add up. So... What we see, what the analogy is, is that uh, it's it's like smoking or um, exposure to the sun. You know, one off is not great, but at the same time, you know, if you if you're continually exposing yourself, then your your in re- risk of of, uh, of CTE is increased. But that everything you just described is football. Uh, you know, yes. like how do you? Yes. Are there's okay. Let's change tackles. Yeah. Let's. Uh, stop heading in soccer, but all of those elbows and this and that, everything that you just mentioned, we can't change that. Uh, yet no, we're no, not about and, to and ban the game. No, that's right, and and we're not talking about that either. What we're saying is, uh, well, two two things. One is, I guess, uh, trying to reduce the exposure. So we might need to have a very serious conversation around modifying sports for children. 
um, so that we do reduce the risk. And for adults, it's just having, I guess, some sort of um, clause or some sort of upfront information about the risks uh, versus benefits of, of the sport. So, you know, we, we've known about this, uh, you know, uh, CTE in uh, various forms, uh, previously called dementia pugilistica, uh, in boxing for nearly 100 years. So this is not a new mm. disease by any means. It's it's something that is being discussed more recently, as, as Riley sort of uh, mentioned in, in your interview with her. Stay with us, uh, Professor Alan Pearce. We're just going to take a couple of phone calls and we'll come back to you. Uh, Tara is in Mount Albert. Hi, Tara. Hi there. How are you? Good, thanks. Uh, tell us your story. Um, so I'm currently experiencing a concussion at the moment. Um, my accident happened four weeks um, today. I was out surfing um, in Melbourne, one of the simulated surf places, and I hit my head on a concrete wall twice oh. um, and since then I've been off work with all the symptoms that you guys have been discussing on this segment. Did you say surfing? Yes, yeah. So that is not, when I think concussion, I mean we've got text talking about horse riding as well, but Tara, I would yeah. not have, surfing would not have come into my mind at all. While we have Alan, Tara, stay with us. Alan, I mean... Tara's talking about that it was only four weeks ago and that she's potentially still in a concussed state now. What does that mean? Well, I mean, well, firstly, surfing actually has more concussions than, than we acknowledge because the water is a little bit harder <laughs> than, than we realise when we come off the board. But um, in terms of recovery of concussion, and this sort of leads in back into the 12-day protocol, is that we know that the brain takes a lot longer than 12 days to recover, even though symptoms may resolve within three or four or five days. And a lot of emerging research worldwide now is supporting the view that it's probably taking at least 30, maybe a little bit longer for the brain to fully recover. And, and in, for some people, it might take two months. Uh, and if it's longer than that, then we go into what we call post-concussion syndromes. Um, so we need to acknowledge that concussion is a brain injury, not a knock to the head. Um, which diminishes the the seriousness of it, yeah. and it's not uncommon that that people might have ongoing issues for a good you know month or, or so late, later. So Tara, how are you feeling now? Four weeks in, that you hit your head twice on a concrete wall while surfing. What? How are you feeling now? What are the symptoms? Um, I'm still having persistent headaches. Um, I'm very sensitive to light and sound still. Um, you know, my short-term memory has been affected. I'm forgetting things that I normally wouldn't forget. Um, and my mood is just low. Yeah, I've yeah, been off work now for four weeks and, um, you know, haven't seen friends. Um, so definitely, yeah, things haven't been the best the last few weeks. I'm sorry to hear this, Tara. I'm, if there's one thing I know about surfers, though, is that they love their sport more than anything. Does it stop you from thinking you'll get back out there? Oh, it's a pretty funny story. I'm not even really a surfer. I um, was surfing in Mexico um, not so long ago, and I really enjoyed it, so I thought I'd do it when I got back home and, um, yeah, got back on the board, and this is what's happened. So I think I've retired from surfing for the time being. <laughs> yes, right. Um, and I'll stick to, yeah. Sports on the ground, probably. Our waters are pretty rough here, aren't they? Oh, well, that's the thing. You just didn't expect it. Alan, how long would Tara, I'm as hard, I guess, for you to be able to diagnose it without seeing her, but how long (laughs) would you expect symptoms like this to persist? 
Um, as I said, yeah, it, it, it can go on much longer than we expect um, symptoms from a concussion. Um, I guess one thing for Tara is that, uh, you know, needs to uh, try and get uh, seen to a, a professional. Um, and, and, you know, there's some really good uh, medical doctors and, and physiotherapists now who are very much uh, educated about concussion. And that's part of the, the bigger, picture, bigger discussion around as well as having those uh, clinicians who are very specifically uh, educated on, on concussion. Tara, thanks so much for your call and we really wish you all the best. Professor Alan Pierce is with you, College of Science, Health and Engineering at La Trobe University and also the Research Manager at the Australian Sports Brain Bank. Alan, stay with us. We've got plenty of calls that we want to go to and texts that we want to get through as well. We're talking concussion. Before we have a, ch- a chat to John in Seymour, Alan, will the Senate inquiry make any change do you think oh look i hope i hope it does um and one of the things that we want to try and get out from the senate inquiry is really having some more uniform guidelines between different sports there seems to be some real disparity uh there but also getting getting the message and getting the guidelines in some form of a i guess a policy at the club level because clubs around australia don't have that sort of medical expertise and so there's there's huge differences between one club and another who may or may not take on the policies of the afl or the nrl or 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 whatever sport and so some some clubs you know they're really good at having players rest after a concussion for at least 12 days others seem to be you know going just saying look go and see your doctor and you'll be you can be back on tuesday so we, we need to address that bigger picture um, at all levels of sport, not just at the elite level. John is joining us now from Seymour. Hi, John. Yeah, hi. Hello. Uh, you've I've got a, a, bit, a point about America and what they do there. Well, my question is, have, is there must have been consideration here about the footballers wearing helmets. And I'm wondering if surveys have been done in the US where all footballers wear helmets and is there less concussion yeah great question i think alan if, if something you've looked into alan isn't it yeah yeah look if anyone sees me on on twitter i guess i, I rant a, a bit about helmets <laughs> unfortunately helmets uh is one of the biggest myths around concussion so helmets are very good at protecting the skull from fracturing and lacerations and look you know i'm a cyclist i i will wear a helmet um irrespective of the laws because i know it protects my skull bone from any any damage but Helmets and uh, uh, don't protect the brain from movement. So the acceleration, deceleration, stretching, what we call shearing um, on the brain tissue itself. And so helmets, while they can have some form of protection, doesn't seem to be able to protect the delicate tissue inside the skull and so we with america with you know the hard shell helmets we still see uh, lots and lots of concussions and there's some been some high profile concussions in the last few months um uh that has has really generated a lot mm. of discussion in america and you've got soft shell helmets as well here in australia that doesn't seem to have the effect that we hope it does that being said though the understanding, the research, the discussions around concussion and CTE in America has, has moved along a lot further than Australia. Yes, oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I mean the the Boston University Brain Bank and and their CTE centre is probably about fifteen years ahead of us at the moment, um, and that's because you know they've had some I guess some high profile. Uh, deaths from from players, you know, back in the mid to to you know late two thousands there, and that that really moved the conversation. Whereas 
Yeah, the Australian Sports Brain Bank uh, that was started up by uh, Professor Michael Buckland. Um, you know, it's only been going since 2018, and and we've we've done quite a bit in that time, but we're still well behind. Yeah, the um, research centre that you mentioned in Boston, um, <laughs> Alan, I believe that more than CTE has been found as a disease in the brains of more than 320 former NFL players so in the US mm. already. So they've just got a larger bank to draw on. And interestingly, of all of those brains that have been donated, 90% of them have been found to have wow. CTE from those ex-footballers, former footballers. Mm-hmm. So a, a serious issue. Oh, absolutely. And, and uh, you know, th- we this, this also takes into account what they call sampling bias. So one of the things that people will say is, oh, well, you know, it's it's only the family that, that had the player that had all the symptoms donating and, and not the not the family that had to, you know, their, their loved one didn't have any symptoms, so they didn't donate. That, that has been taken into account with the mathematics and the statistics. So this is still a very concerning number, taking all that into account. Neen's called as well in Dandenong. Good morning. Good morning. What did you want to say? Oh, um, I wasn't expecting to get on, but anyway, I just, I just, it's an interesting conversation. Um, basically, I had an injury, um, got tossed off a, a horse, um, cantering along, and um, my head hit the ground, and um, I think the riding hat came off. And I don't remember a thing until I woke up in and the how, evening. How long ago was this? Oh, I was 13. So, you know, this is, I don't know if I want to tell you my... <laughs> <laughs> Some time ago, Nina, that's right. And has it had an impact ago, on you, do you think? Ago. Has, it, has it had an impact on your health in any way? Well, I, I don't know. You know, I'm not sure. I just... Um, Going through teenagehood, I guess I had um, a bit of anxiety and different mood swings and that, but I don't know. Mm. You know I can't really sum. I know, and it's interesting, Neen, because Alan, quite a few people have said text in a similar way. In that, in the seventies, it sort of just wasn't discussed. Certainly not the way that it is now. And then lots of people hear programs like this, and all of a sudden, there's a bit of a light bulb moment, and the dots are joined together when you think about the type of sport that you played, or the multiple amounts of head injuries and head knocks that you had, whether it be we're getting texts about everything from boxing to surfing to a horse riding. Are lots of people kind of looking back over their lives now and thinking, oh, hang on a second, you're talking about me. Yes, I, I hear that a lot when people come into my lab and, you know, they've uh, not really thought about it for, you know, and then as you, you have this discussion, it does seem to alert them to past experiences and, and maybe there could be a suspicion because they don't drink, they don't smoke, there's no other reason that could account for it. So it's it's something that is now starting to become a lot more uh, aware generally in, in conversations. What can be done for people who believe they have this and because, you know, it can't really be diagnosed properly and until someone is dead, um, how, what, what kind of help is out there? Well, yeah, look, that, that's, a, that's a tough question to answer because we're really struggling to, I guess, diagnose in living people uh, and there is certainly research going on there and, and we need to do a lot more in that space and that requires funding and money and, and support. Um, but for 
people now it's it's really trying to just get the support that they can uh you know we are trying to look at different ways of of uh treatments and therapies but certainly with a neurodegenerative disease like ct it's it's more about just trying to uh get some quality of life but uh yeah it's it's one of those tough things at the moment that we really need um a lot of you know help and support and and we have started up the concussion legacy foundation uh as a as as, as a consequence of, of this uh need how many brains do you have in the brain bank question i never thought i'd ask but <laughs> <laughs> yeah look current, currently we've got uh i think about nearly close to 700 what we call pledges so that is people who who have signed the forms to say that they're happy to uh to pledge their brain at the appropriate time we're not like monty python and walking around and <laughs> asking for for brains in living people right now um but at the same time uh we've we've now just passed i think about 50 brains um that we've analyzed so we're we're hoping to uh bring out a updated publication uh, sometime this year because you would have to uh, and dementia being an early onset dementia and alzheimer's being a part of the research mm. into cte do you have to i mean someone that pledges to donate their brain do they need to be at a point because dementia is tricky you know someone that is of say inverted commas sound mind that they say i'm yes. willing to donate my brain or can a family member do it how what are the yeah Yes, that's right. We we do have uh, ethics and consent for family members, um, it, you know, so as proxies for the, the the person themselves if if uh, they're not in a position to be able to give uh, consent. But also, uh, Michael is able to through his uh, networks being able to get uh, families to you know post. Uh, uh, posthumously, sorry, I should say, uh, donate uh, their family members' brain to the brain bank as well, and and that that's that's been very helpful for us. Professor Alan Pierce is with us, College of Science, Health and Engineering at La Trobe University and Research Manager at the Australian Sports Brain Bank. Marnie is joining us from Woodend. Hi, Marnie. Hi, how are you? I'm well, um, thanks. Um, yeah, I just wanted to add that uh, my sister died from early onset Alzheimer's when she was 61. She had a very serious a fall when she was a child um, on her head onto concrete. And then she had a car accident later in life, probably late 40s. And she then developed early onset Alzheimer's, which she had for a number of years. But what I wanted to say is the doctors in the States definitely connected the, the two incidents to the Alzheimer's. And um, she did donate her brain to she oh, her partner to donated her brain to um, UCLA. Wow! Um, but they definitely thought there was a connection between. The and is incident. that something that did that just come up naturally, or is it something that you raised, or is it again like we were discussing with Alan that in the states they sort of feel like this this conversation is a little more progressed. Yeah, I think it is. Um, they were very into the, the uh, neurologist that she saw was extremely interested in both of those incidents. And it seemed to develop more quickly after the, the um, car accident. Oh, Marnie, thank you for sharing your story. And I'm so sorry to, to hear that about your sister. But what an incredible, I guess, legacy she's left in, in donating her brain. 
Yeah, and I've had a similar experience and I've spoken on this show before about my stepfather who died from Alzheimer's and somewhat similar in that he was in a car accident when he was 20, a really serious car accident, hit his head, um, had to relearn how to walk and lots of things, had to redo a year of university, um, but seemingly recovered afterwards. But then, of course, in his uh, early 60s, had early onset dementia it, it sort of rose with sort of move problems with movement and, and Parkinson's and then it became Alzheimer's a bit later on but he also played football uh, rugby league um, and was quite good at it like he was you know ready to be picked for the first divisions for the South Sydney juniors um, and then he had that car accident and from that point on he didn't play again because his mother wouldn't let him just worried about another blow to the head but uh, I think it's an interesting one and, and Alan I'd love to hear your thoughts on this because it's not just sport, is it? I mean, you know, car accidents and, and other ways of, of knocking your head can have serious consequences. <clears throat> oh, absolutely. The, um, you know, the, the way the media have put it out there at the moment is, is mainly through the, the vehicle of sport, but sport concussions, sport brain injuries are only about 20% of the total number of, of brain injuries in the community. As you said, it's mostly falls, car accidents, and, and one area that we do need to also address is domestic violence. I've had a few texts asking about domestic violence and the links there. Is that something, when we're talk, looking at the Senate inquiry, are we looking at all aspects of life and, and brain injury or is it purely looking at repeated blows to the head and head injuries as a result of sport? Yeah, unfortunately, the, the terms of reference for the Senate inquiry is only on sport. Um, but certainly, you know, we're trying to get some discussion around um, non-sporting brain injuries as well that includes domestic violence military um and and uh, yeah uh, accidents workplace accidents as well but yeah the uh, the terms of reference are very specific on sports concussion and is it more likely to get another senate inquiry if there's been one like do you just the, just the results of this one does that really determine whether or not there'll be future inquiries yeah look I, I hope so I think because it's much bigger issue than than we realize and, and brain injury is one of the you know the biggest contributors to death and disability worldwide and and it has a huge economic cost on our community so I, I'm hoping that this can be expanded out at some point or an, another one addressed the for non-sporting um, concussions. Professor Alan Pierce, thank you so much for your insights and for joining us this morning on the conversation now. It's been really useful on so many texts saying that as well to have your, you know, your depth of knowledge on this. Oh, you're very welcome. And look, you know, if anyone is considering pledging, please contact us at the Australian Sports Brain Bank. And we're also doing a lot of fundraising through the Concussion Legacy Foundation Australia. Professor Alan Pearce there, College of Science, Health and Engineering at La Trobe University. It's fascinating just to think about all of the aspects of life and that sometimes these incidents, these injuries occur decades earlier. And, you know, like we heard with Marnie, it was a doctor that joined those dots. So whether it be sporting injuries, but just looking at how one serious brain injury, what those impacts can be later in life. ABC Radio, Melbourne and Victoria. This is the Conversation Hour. Michelle Hunt in Melbourne with you. Kirsten Dipper is joining you as always from ABC Warrnambool. Looking into concussion and the impacts of concussion on our everyday lives, there's a current and ongoing Senate inquiry into the impacts of concussion in sport. Are those conversations, though, around concussion happening on a community level? Are we worried about the sport that we're playing? Are we maybe thinking twice about the sport that we're playing or 
if someone that you love or yourself is getting a, a diagnosis of something like early onset dementia, does your thought pattern go back to a concussion that maybe happened, we're hearing today, Kirsten, when they were, people were children? Yeah, and doctors are only sort of more recently making a link. And I know with my own stepfather, my mum pushed really hard to get a, a kind of a diagnosis. And that was back in the early sort of, you know, 2010s. Um, and it was hard to find the right person who could really understand the situation and, and make that right diagnosis. Because it is a tricky thing to diagnose full stop because a lot of those symptoms could be lots of different other things. Mm. And thinking back, as you said, to something that happened a long time ago, 30, 40 years ago, is a tricky thing. And, you know, what's also really difficult is if we're talking about, you know, things that happened in a sporting place, then is it what's being you know, dubbed an industrial disease. And there's talk about that. You know, if it is something like that, then what kind of compensation yes. might be being on the table if it is an industrial disease, if it's a disease that is caused by almost oh, the inevitability? Huge, yeah, well, there's huge sort of financial compensation happening and class actions happening in the United States. And there is talk of it potentially happening here as well. I mean, I was fascinated to hear that, Alan, actually, that there was only 50 brains at the Brain Bank. The Brain Bank, though, is relatively new. I have to stop my brain from going into a visual of what a Brain Bank looks like. Jenny Bromley Lynch is a member of the Community Concussion Research Foundation. She's also an advocate for former AFL players and their families dealing with the effects of brain trauma. And Jenny, a lot of that is because, well, you are living with this. You are living with the daily impacts of brain trauma as a result of multiple knocks to the head with your husband, Alan. Yeah, that's correct. So um, thank you for having me on the show. Yeah, look, um, Alan um, is uh, Alan Dizzy Lynch. He was a um, quite renowned footballer. He played VFL, AFL, uh, AFL at that time, VFL, VFA, and also um, a lot of country football. He also is um, a, was a renowned um, professional runner, so he's in the Hall of Fame of um, at, at store for the amount of distance, uh, you know, the three thousand, fifteen thousand k um, meter. So he, you know, pretty pretty amazing athlete. Um, but now, um, un, you know, so sadly, is he's living in full time care at sixty nine. What's it like for you? And I know your son has spoken about this as well and is even questioning whether or not he wants to play football. Yeah, absolutely. What's, um, how's it impacting the entire family, Jenny? Look, at, you know, of course, it, you know, like what we've had to go through for, our, you know, and what Alan has had to go through in the last three or four years is really, really bad, sad. But we have got an amazing family and, you know, great supports. And, and we, we're very positive about, you know, we have to, you know, we have to look at what we're grateful for and, and, and how we can make something out of what's happening for, for Alan. Certainly um, our life has been impacted. I think, you know, one of the, the saddest days I think I had to have was when, you know, the, some of my, uh, you know, a couple of my kids were with me when we were looking at um, aged care facilities, you know, and they're, they're in their very early 20s, you know, and it's not something that they, you, you think that that's going to be part of your life. So now, you know, Alan's in an aged care facility, you know, he's younger by, you know, 20 years probably, you know, on, on a lot of the, the residents there. So it is really tough. Um, 
But, yeah, look, I think, you know, for us, we believe that we really to advocate and, and give Alan a voice and also give people who are affected a voice is, is something that we can do in, in as part of his sort of legacy. But also, I think, you know, education and awareness. I, I've been listening and, you know, like you said, you know, not all, all injuries come from sport and not, you know, it, it, concussion is such... Um, as something that we really need to get the community on board and understand. And I think we need to start educating kids about the brain a lot younger so that we're all making um, really good choices and looking after some, you know, something that's so, 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 you know, important to mm. our lives. Jenny, I wanted to say that uh, Alan Dizzy Lynch is remembered so fondly and thought of so th fondly throughout country Victoria. You hear his yeah. name pop up here and there and... Uh, what, how has your relationship changed perhaps with football itself? You know, you, it would have been a big part of your life yeah. as well. How do you feel about it now? Look, you know, I, I love like football has always been a big part of our, our family. Like I'm a, I've got Lockett in me. So, you know, it's certainly, you know, and, you know, we've been. Because Tony Lockett's your cousin, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, and we've been associated with North Ballarat for, you know, my mum, I think she was um, president of their ladies committee for about 55 years. I was, you know, president of the board with the Brewsters and things like that. So, we, you know, football has been a big part of our life and it's part of our, our, our culture. But I think, you know, it could be made a lot safer. I'm not sure now thinking back. Um, when I took the kids off, you know, under under 10s or whatever to Auskick, maybe if I had my time now and thinking about what, where, you know, where it's happened, what's happened for Dizzy, that maybe I, I would have made, you know, we would have made a different choice. I mean, they've got so much out of football, though, that they love and everything, but they, they, I've got three sons and they're all questioning, you know. Um, well, two of them um, probably, you know, won't play again. Tom certainly is playing, but he, as you as you read, he certainly questions. Did you um, get the chance to speak openly with Alan about this? Uh, Alan's not at that stage now to actually... So prior, you know... Uh, yeah, look, um, yeah, probably in some ways. Um, his whole life is, you know, interesting now. So he lives a lot in his past. So 90% of his conversation is football. Yeah. It's, it, it, it's, so it would break it, his heart, you would think, a little bit that, you know, his sons are now thinking, well... I don't want to play football now because I'm watching what you're going through. Yeah, but he wouldn't want them to go through what he would. Yeah, yeah I'd be very. Yeah, no one would want this for the for anyone. You know, for their life, no one. But like I said, we we don't want to not have football either. You know, it's not like that at all. I, I think we just need to be educated, and I think we need an awareness about you know what we can do to make things safer, but also to make people you know make good choices. Yeah, Jenny, what would you like to see at that local footy level, you know, where most of us are, are playing in or, or, you know, part of? Yeah. What would you like to see there, you know, at your son's age, that that kind of level? Yeah, I think, you know, that just that educate, like, you, you know, we, there's, like, I think you um, um, was talking a little about, you know, how we are lagging behind the conversation um, from other countries and certainly lagging behind the... Um, the education, you know, there's some great stuff coming out of the US on education and using um, 
a lot of virtual reality and a lot of different technology to be able to deliver programs in a very quick way but also in a very impactful way and they're also being pushed by a lot of the the elite athletes right across america as well so that's something that we're certainly looking at, um, you know, with the foundation that I'm with, that how we can link with those, um, with some of those organisations in America to be able to deliver some of those programs. Um, but I think to keep that conversation going so there's no one ever questioning that, you know, if someone does get a hit, yet that they do come off, that they make sure that they are looked after and, you know, that we haven't haven't got that that mentality that it's okay. But, you know, I think that's uh, that, that's where we really need to go. Do you think the AFL is taking this seriously enough and are really questioning changes that need to be made? There's more and more research that's banking up. We're in the middle of a Senate inquiry. Are they still in denial, do you think? I think they're in denial with, a, with yeah, look, I think things have, have and I think that, um, you know, good for the great advocacy of, you know, people like Peter Jess and Alan Pierce and things that certainly, you know, the return to play and all that has been brought in. But I think that, and as I'm sure Alan would tell you, um, Alan Pierce would talk to you about that there are certainly other areas to go as well, you know, a lot, for, lot further to go. And, and I think, you know, also the acknowledgement about what's happened in the past, and I'm not sure that that is something that the AFL are prepared to do. Um, and I know that they're not prepared, like, uh, they're, I've had, or Dizzy's had no support from the AFL mm. uh, at all. Um, mm. And I think, which is, you know, all, all the past players, there's been absolutely no support for him. It, it's another difficult level in that, you know, it's not just the AFL, but Sports Medicine Australia. So our, you know, yes. peak sports medicine body hasn't still officially made that link between concussion and CTE either. That's, it, That's exactly right. And and like you said before, and it can't, cannot be, you know, you cannot be diagnosed until post-mortem. So, you know, it's a very, yeah. And, and that link is still there. But I, I don't think, you know, other countries are certainly looking at, at, at all the, the, the research and you can't deny the research, I don't think. Did Alan decide or have you had the conversation around whether or not he wants to donate his brain for research, Jenny? Yes, definitely. Yes, definitely. Yeah, he, yeah. yeah. And he, he would be, yeah, more than happy to make sure that something positive come out from, you know, from, from, from this situation that he's in. It's incredible work that you're doing, Jenny, you and your entire family. So thanks so much for spending some time with us today. We wish you all the best. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for Good having the conversation because I think more conversations, you know, it's getting out there more. So thank you very much. You're welcome. Jenny Bromley Lynch there, member of the Community Concussion Research Foundation, advocate for former AFL players and their families dealing with the effects of brain trauma. And as you heard, husband of Alan commonly known as Dizzy Lynch and very well known in regional Victoria, Kirsten. Yeah, absolutely. He um, is spoken about all the time, you know, around the sort of Ballarat and, and, and Warrnambool kind of regions a lot. I can attest to that. This text from Joseph, after falling off the ladder and knocking my head on the concrete five years ago, what should I be doing now to work out if I have anything to worry about in the future? I've definitely had issues with short-term memory since this event. At the time when it happened, I was given the all clear after a CT scan, but I suspect they were just looking for bleeding on the brain and perhaps not concussion. Thanks for such an important show. That's from Joseph. Joseph, thanks for sharing your story as well. And as always, to everyone that shared their stories, because they're tricky, they're, they're hard conversations to have, and sometimes it's it can be that, as we said, that light bulb moment where you think, 
actually, this is my story or dad's story or mum's story that I'm listening to right now. Mm, I feel like it's a, a growing rumble that's um, occurring and the Senate inquiry is something that, you know, we'll continue to follow because this is a conversation that's that's not ending. It's only getting louder. Kirsten Dipros, as always, thank you so much. Joining us from ABC Warnable. I'll speak to you in a couple of weeks. Thank you so much, Rochelle. I'll be back with you tomorrow. And tomorrow we're talking Mardi Gras. Is it a place for party or a place for protest? What does Mardi Gras mean to you? Speak there.